You heard that safe drivers get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw an ad for a vintage baseball cap, and now you find yourself checking the stats of that team's second baseman in 97, wondering why his stolen base total dropped after his rookie season. Wonder how much his rookie card is worth. Yes, they said it was easy to save money with Snapshot from Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors Podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Today I have with me Ravinder Bhugal, who's written this fantastic, you know, who's put together this fantastic, well, I, I don't think you just call it a cookbook. It's much more than that. It's called Jikoni, Proudly Inauthentic Recipes from an Immigrant Kitchen. So hi, Ravinder. Hi, Manjula. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the title. Jikoni, Proudly Inauthentic Recipes from an in- Immigrant Kitchen. Now unpack this for us because kind of I felt like the essence of the book is in the title. Jikoni, first of all, is the name of my restaurant here in London. Um, and it's a okay. Swahili word which simply means kitchen because I was born in Kenya and I wanted part my sort of East African heritage to be always part of me and what I do. Um, and then the proudly inauthentic recipes from an immigrant kitchen. So that really tells a story of not just me, but many uh, people who come uh, to different places from where they're from originally and and mm. their food stories. So I came to London when I was seven years old from Kenya my grandfather had left Kenya, uh, India in the 1940s. So we're sort of twice twice removed immigrants, if you like. And um, I think the experience of immigrants and food is a very interesting one. I think you, mm. you pass through so many borders and landscapes that your food has to be ready to adapt. You have to be completely resourceful, you know, when you come to a place originally, it can seem so bleak and so barren mm-hmm. uh, because you mm-hmm. don't have the things that you were used to. For me, it was things like, you know, guava trees growing in the garden, jamun trees, all of these things weren't in England. And and so you, as you begin to settle, you reconcile your old culinary traditions with what your new country has to offer and it's in mm. in sort of um, mixing those two or reconciling those two that you create what I think is immigrant food. So it's 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 mm. recipes without an ending that are always open to ad- adaptation, that are a combination of your old uh, heritage and overlaid by your new traditions of your new land, but also the subject of authenticity has always troubled me. You know, I, I've always found the concept fairly restrictive and also very subjective in that, you know, things can only ever be authentic to you. And, you know, how my grandmother made dal to, compared to how your mother, uh, grandmother did, 
going to be completely different things because of their lives yes, and their yeah. their life experiences. Um, so which one? Yes, and the ingredients are available. Exactly. I guess. So which one is more authentic? So, you know, a lot of cooks get mm-hmm. very very caught up in oh, is it authentic? And am I doing it the authentic way? And I think that's fine. But for me, the question I always ask when I cook is, what's going to make this more delicious? And if it's a sneaky little ingredient that crosses a border that doesn't quite belong, but makes something you know sing, then absolutely I'm mm. going to put it in. That's why you mentioned proudly inauthentic recipes. Yes, yes, exactly. I I am proud of the um, you know the diversity and sort of almost pluralistic view of my food and the world around me. And absolutely, you know, there are dishes that are love letters to the the immigrant communities around me there's for example the pierogi which you know which is such a which is a polish dish um but then it's covered in a in a hot yogurt sauce which comes from turkey and i remember cooking that with a chef uh, in my kitchen who had polish roots and she just kind of appalled at what i was doing she said you know <laughs> we, the Poles and the Turks, we don't get on. And I was like, well, you're going to get along fine on this plate. And, um, and you know, just the flavors really pick up. And when you look at, um, you know, sort of the human race and how we've traveled and, uh, you know, we've traveled across, we're all immigrants in a way. We've all come from another place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those traditions, especially when I think about my heritage, you know, East Africa has links with India, also has links with mm. the Middle East, also had uh, trading links with China. So it almost makes sense because when people moved through those landscapes, they brought with them those influences, those ideas. I mean, you look at India in itself and you know, so much of actually what we 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 call Indian food is actually Persian. Um, so, yes, so you know, we we're all really not supposed to say that these days, though. <laughs> I know, but we're we're all eating sort of what I call mongrel dishes. You know, beautiful mongrel dishes mm. that have come from here and there and everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I was struck by the unusual combinations. Like, I love this kimchi paratha idea. And you know what makes that even better? Recently, I've been putting um, grated cheddar cheese in with the kimchi. And it's like the best grilled cheese sandwich come paratha you'll ever eat. It's so super delicious. Mm -hmm. Really? (laughs) And even the oats and, um, you know, chickpea chillas, with fried mushrooms and sour cream. That was a, that's a yeah. nice one too. I mean, these ideas came to you through the course of your life, like when you were like experimenting in the kitchen? Yeah, or, absolutely. You know, yeah. I think my ideas come from my heritage. First of all, you know, credit to my mother, who is an amazing, amazing cook, um, for always keeping us uh, interested and hungry for knowledge in the kitchen. And then, you know, coming to a place like Britain, which is so multicultural and so diverse, then coming to a, a diverse place like, like Britain has, you know, where you, you're eating the world on any given day. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, of course, travel uh, really inspires me. And I, I sort of live to travel. So it's a bit depressing right now being grounded. But uh, I love travel and I love, I love to go to destinations where, 
I can really learn about the food. But, you know, now with the lockdowns and everything, what about the restaurant, you know? I mean, is it like open yeah. or uh, I don't know what the scene is in Britain, but... We actually just reopened last Thursday, which is the same day as the book launched. Um, and, you know, okay. we're, we're currently opening sort of sh- uh, shorter hours. So rather than doing seven days or six days, which is what we used to do, we're, we're just opening currently Thursday through to Sunday. But what we have done okay. in, the, in the lockdown is, you know, for my husband and I, we very much, you know, try try, always try and see the glass half full and of course for a young restaurant like Mm -hmm. us it was devastating to have to close our doors we've just turned three years old you know it's a time where you're suddenly getting into your groove and you know everything is happening and we we had uh, we do this uh, thing called civilized Sundays where we get amazing speakers to come and speak and we create menus around them so we actually we were expecting Salman Rushdie uh, to come and give a talk uh, you know and obviously he wasn't going to be able to fly from New York and um, so it was just such a shame we were gutted actually and then we kind of t- mm-hmm. took a bit of time out and then we thought, well, we've got a perfectly good kitchen and, you know, the NHS here was really suffering and, you know, hearing stories of, mm-hmm. of doctors and nurses and what they were facing, we we just thought, well, we have to just mm-hmm. go and cook and, and, and be part of the effort. Um, so we initially started okay. cooking for uh, King's College Hospital, just, just the two of us Ooh. because... Um, uh, we couldn't have any of our team in because of, uh, you know, they'd have to come on public transport and it was just too risky. Uh, yes. So we we cooked, yes. well, I cooked, he washed up. <laughs> and then um, and then <laughs> we, um, we then pivoted and started working with a charity called Nishkam Swat, who are incredible and feed lots of vulnerable people, um, homeless people across the UK. Uh, So we started cooking meals for them. And then we were so inspired by them, actually, that we had been thinking for a long time about um, a a sort of a home delivery service, even before COVID happened. Um, And they, they inspired us so much that we sort of thought, well, this is an opportunity for us to re-engineer the world around us. And what do we want out of a brand? What positive values can we sew into this brand? So we launched uh, our new brand, uh, so Little Sister to Jikoni. It's called Comfort and Joy. And we, we felt very much that that's what people need right now. And they're like meal boxes. So they're comprised of my memories of eating like a thali, you know, where everything is balanced and and good for you. And so you get four dishes in this meal box and um, all of our packaging is 100% home compostable. So if you put it in on, on soil in, in, 19, in 90 days, it will be soil. And so zero plastic. We're already okay. cooking using green energy. We have been doing that for a year now. Um, and then for every meal that we um, we sell, uh, we donate a meal to uh, someone who needs one through our partners at Nishkam Swat. And um, and then the other thing is we we're just really looking at our our sort of supply chain. So really making sure that the producers that we're buying from 
are caring for the environment and the climate around them. Um, so it's 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 been a pleasure to launch that because it just feels like such a positive business. Okay, okay. So that's what you've been doing in this. Um, I mean, in yeah, this, like, confusing yeah. time, I guess. So that's so. It's a strange time to launch a, a new brand, but it's it's just had a really really positive response, and I think what is lovely about it is that it feels regenerative. And that's what we wanted to do. So it's, you know, we wanted to be part of an ecosystem that was was presenting solutions rather than adding to the problems. Like the recipes, you know, I mean, my personal favorites, which I think that I would like to make, the prawn toast scotch eggs with banana ketchup. Talk about that. (laughs) I think it's a masterpiece. They are super, super popular. So they've, you know, since before I even opened the restaurant, when I was doing pop-ups and private catering, they were always the most requested dish. And so it was a no-brainer to put them on the restaurant Mm. menu. And they've become like this sort of cult item that people come in for. And I think we probably send one to every single table in the restaurant. They're so popular. And now over the lockdown, people have been messaging us saying, oh, my God, I'm really missing the Ponto Scotch Egg. And um, so it's lovely that people have the (laughs) opportunity now to make it at home. But it is, in essence, a... the love child of a British Scotch egg and a Chinese prawn toast, two sort of perennial favorites. And when Mm. you put those things together, I believe they create something better than the sum of their parts. And and that's what's lovely about it. And, Mm. you know, it's playful and it's fun and it's super delicious. And the banana ketchup really came because for me, one day I just had too many ripe bananas uh, in my on my in my fruit bowl, and I just thought, mm. as we all do, as and I thought I can't do. make another bloody <laughs> banana cake. So I've done too many of those. So um, <laughs> you know, there are lot lots of traditions uh, across the world of using bananas in a very savory way, um, and so I thought, let me try and make this chutney mm. ketchup kind of thing. And it just really worked with the prawns. Mm. And, you know, because you get that sort of sweetness and heat and that hit of spice. And then you've got those bouncy prawns around the, the mm. scotch egg. And then in the restaurant, we serve it with the pickled cucumber. So you get the sharpness from the pickled cucumbers. It's, it's just oh. a really, really delicious combination. And the apple jalebi with yes. fennel ice cream is yes. another nice it's, one. It's, again, really, really playful, really fun, um, you know, sort of this take on apple fritters, but with a jalebi batter. And, um, you know, I just think apple and fennel are such a lovely combination when you have that in sort of savory dishes that why couldn't you just have it as a sweet dish too? And it just really, really works. People have really enjoyed eating that at the restaurant and... Yeah, it's it's a lovely one. Okay. okay, great. So I could talk to you for a long time because I love this book. It's beautiful and the recipes are wonderful. So guys, that was uh, Ravinder Bhogal, who's written Jikoni, Proudly Inauthentic Recipes from an Immigrant Kitchen. Go out and get it. It's a lovely, lovely book with great ideas in it. And I'm so glad that she's come on to the podcast to talk to me. So, so nice speaking to you, Ravinder. Thank you so much for having me, Manjula. Take care now. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. 
And by the way, HT Smartcast has launched its first audiobook called A Spy in China, written by Yamini Pustake Bhalerao and published by Juggernaut Books. It's a topical political thriller based on the ongoing tensions between India and China. Every week from the 10th of July 2020, there's a new chapter for you to listen to. Don't miss it. Log on to www.htsmartcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts and search for A Spy in China. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.